uh, to be here last night, and uh, I know some of you were here to enjoy the evening together with your daughters, and I tell you, it was an experience for me just to uh, see some of these young dads with their little girls and remembering when my uh, girl was uh, younger, uh, and uh, it just bought, brought back um, a lot of uh, uh, fond and precious memories. I've told several people this. Nancy and I were walking down the sidewalk. We'd gotten out of our car, and uh, uh, the creatures were coming down the sidewalk, and <clears throat> um, Fiona was walking in with her daddy, and um, I said, well, Fiona, you look mighty pretty tonight. I said, that's a pretty dress you've got on, and, um, and she said, thank you, and she stuck out her foot, and she says, see my shoes? And she was showing me her shoes, and I was admiring how pretty her shoes were, and then all of a sudden she goes, I have lipstick on. And her daddy's standing behind her going, it's chapstick, it's chapstick. Uh, but it was good. It was, a, it was just a wonderful time. Um, and uh, as Hannah said, I'm not on uh, Facebook, so I didn't get to see a lot of uh, what she was talking about. But I understand there was a bunch of uh, pictures and messages and everything from last night. But, um, you know, uh, I can guarantee you one thing. Those who missed it last night are probably not going to miss it next year because they've heard what a wonderful time it was uh, for these little girls especially and um, just getting a kick out of them uh, uh, being with their daddies, you know, and uh, they're out there in the hallway today. That's all they're talking about is last night. So it was, it was fun. And Hannah, we do appreciate uh, it. Tim, thank you uh, for uh, coming and Hannah's sister and uh, Nelson, uh, thank Thank you guys for uh, coming all the way up from Florida to help out with that, and uh, it was wonderful. All right, take your Bible and open it up to the letter of Ephesians. Um, uh, we're continuing in our <clears throat> series of messages through um, this uh, letter by the Apostle Paul to the church, and um, uh, you know, one of the main themes of the book of Ephesians is fellowship, um, uh, fellowship with the Father and with the Son, but also with um, uh, other believers and um, how we uh, are uh, blessed to enter into the fellowship with God and then um, how we are to behave, um, uh, live our lives uh, in the fellowship um, with, with God. I read a story about a rich man who every year would buy his wife uh, an, some type of expensive jewelry to give to her on her birthday. And what he would do is he would call his jeweler and he would order the particular kind of jewelry, the particular piece of jewelry that um, he wanted to give his wife that on that year. Maybe a pendant, it may be a necklace, it may be um, a bracelet, maybe earrings, a ring, but some kind of uh, expensive jewelry. And the jeweler um, uh, you know, uh, obliged the man, um, and um, uh, he would, um, you know, uh, do as the rich man ordered. And uh, the rich man played a game, though, with the jeweler that the jeweler wasn't aware of. 
but he would send a note um, uh, to the jeweler, and he said, I like the jewelry piece, but not your price. If you will accept the enclosed check, he would send back to the jeweler a check, a box that was sealed, the box that the, the piece of jewelry had come in, but he would send the box back sealed with a check and with a note. And what he had said to the jeweler was, if you'll accept the enclosed check for a lesser amount, then please return the jewelry box with the seal unbroken. Well, the jeweler, he didn't particularly care um, uh, about this little game, but um, uh, he didn't know it was a game, but he just wanted to oblige the rich man because he didn't want to lose him as a customer. And so he played along, and year after year, um, the, he would, the, jewel, the rich man would put in his order. The jeweler would send him the piece that he uh, wanted to give to his wife. The rich man would take the jewelry box, it w- would seal it, send it back with a check and a note. Well, one year, the jeweler just had had enough. He says, you know, um, oh, and remember, the check that he got was always less because the guy didn't like his price. So the check was less than what the jeweler was charging, but he didn't want to lose a rich man as a customer. So one year, he said, that's it. I'm I'm tired. You know, I've done this for several years. This year, I'm not going to accept anything but the full amount. So, as usual, he puts the, uh, in this particular year, it was a pendant, a really nice pendant, in a box with, uh, and sent it to the rich man. The rich man, as usual, sealed the box, sent it back to the jeweler with a note and with a check. Well, the jeweler refused the check. And he told the deliveryman that, you know, he wasn't sending it back, he wasn't playing the game, and he was only going to take the right amount. And then he opened up the box to get his pendant back. When he opened the box, there was no pendant. And instead, there was a check. And the check that was in the box was in the full amount that he had asked for the pendant. All these years, the rich man had taken the piece of jewelry out of the box, sealed it up, put a check with the right amount in the box, sent it back to the jeweler with a note and with a check with less less, uh, money than he had asked. And all these years, the jeweler had accepted thousands of dollars less than what he had asked for, all because he never opened the sealed box. I thought about that. I thought about that jeweler, unwilling to open the sealed box, accepted a check for less money, for the jewelry piece that he could have received because the check for the right amount was in the box 
all along. And I think about so many people who accept the lesser things of this world all because of an unwillingness to open up the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and see the rich blessings that God has promised us in Christ. Paul comes along in first in Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse 3, Paul has said that we have been given all of these, the riches of God's blessings in Christ. And Paul was so excited about these blessings in his own life. His passion, his joy was to talk about these blessings, to share these blessings with people wherever he went. And Paul is excited to share these blessings with the believers in Ephesus. Last week, we looked at the blessing of saving redemption in verses 7 and the first part of verse 8. Today, I wanted to look, in the time that we have, at three other blessings that Paul tells us that we find in Christ in the latter part of verse 8 and going through verse 12. And here's what I want you to take away from today's message, and that is, in Jesus Christ, the riches of God's blessings are bestowed upon those whom he calls to salvation. So let's look. We find three additional blessings here um, uh, that go along with saving redemption, which we looked at last week in Christ. And here's the first one, special revelation. Now it's listed as number two because the first one was the uh, redemption in Christ that we talked about last week. So I'm talking about three blessings today, but they're going to be listed two, three, and four because they go in sequence from the one last week. So blessing number two, according to this text, um, is special revelation. Look what Paul says here. With redemption comes special knowledge or revelation. At the first coming, Jesus revealed the first part of God's eternal plan. At his second coming, the hidden purpose of salvation will be fully realized. God promises a future glorious inheritance to believers. Paul says, look there, we have wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. Now, God has a purpose in salvation, a hidden purpose in salvation which he calls a mystery. Now, a mystery is a truth revealed by God that had never before been known. And Paul is saying that God has given us wisdom and insight in order to know the mystery of his will. Um, now, what is this mystery? It's God's plan to bring all things in heaven and earth together again one day in unity and harmony under the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get to that in the very next blessing. So keep that in mind. What I want you to think about is how we get 
to understand how we have special knowledge as believers in even knowing what that mystery is. And it's only given to the believer. Now let's look at these two words, wisdom and insight. Wisdom means right thinking or sound judgment. In other words, Paul says God has given us wisdom, the ability to look at the world from God's perspective, to look at the world rightly, to make a sound judgment about the world. And that wisdom is given by God to the believer. And then he says insight. That's the product of wisdom. It means understanding. So if you take the two words together, wisdom, the ability to see things rightly or sound judgment, and then insight, the ability to understand, the believer sees the world in the right way, to the way God wants us to see it and understand it, and we see that history is the working out of God's eternal plan in Christ. Now you say, well, why, why is that so important? Here's the reason that's important for you and me, and that is regardless of what you're going through, Regardless of the circumstances of, in the world today, regardless of whether there is sickness, whether there is war, whether there is, you know, um, uh, uh, disasters, whether it's job stress, financial pressure, what, whether it's conflict in uh, relationships, Paul is trying to get us to understand so many people get bogged down in their present circumstances that the circumstances defeat them, rob them of their joy, of their peace, of their contentment, of their hope and their assurance. And Paul is saying, look, yes, we all go through very difficult times in our life. We go through times of suffering and times of adversity. and Everything doesn't always work out the way we desire and the way we planned. But Paul says, for the Christian, God has given you special knowledge and understanding to see through these things, through these circumstances, and to understand that this is not the end. This is not all there is. That this is one continuing story and you may be going through the bad part of the story right now. But listen, you ever read, do you like mysteries? I love good mysteries. And boy, it's so hard sometimes not to just go to the back and see how that story ends because you want to know how it turns out. But here's the thing. Can I just say to you this morning, Spoiler alert, God's already revealed the end of the story. That's what Paul wants you to know. God has already revealed the end of the story. However, it's as if you've got a book in your hand, you flipped over, you looked at the end of the book, you saw how it ends, but you go back to chapter 1 or chapter 5, wherever you were, and you start reading where you left off 
And in the back of your mind, you know how this story ends. But you keep reading. And you know what? Your reading is different. Why? Because you no longer worry. You no longer doubt. You're no longer guessing as to how it ends. You already know the ending. And Paul says, that's a blessing that God has given to the believer that the unbeliever doesn't have. God has given the believer clues all through their life. Wisdom and understanding to know that whatever is taking place, this is not the end of the story. There is a happy ending to this. And that's privy only to the believer. The unbeliever gets rattled. The unbeliever is just frazzled and, and uh, discouraged and defeated and depressed. Why? Because they don't know how it ends. And Paul says the blessing for the believer is God's given you special revelation. He's given you wisdom and insight to see and to know how this story is going to end. So that's the first thing that we notice here in um, uh, these verses. The second thing I want you to see, the third blessing, is spiritual restoration. Now, look in verse 10. Why has God richly blessed us by choosing us, redeeming us, and giving us wisdom and knowledge? Why has God done that? The answer here is in this next verse, in verse 10. God is planning a universal restoration of this world. All things in heaven and on earth will be brought together again in perfect unity and in perfect harmony under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look what he says there in the verse. Paul says, God's plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In other words, creation is going to be restored to its original perfect condition under the rule of Christ. God's ultimate desire is to glorify his son by bringing everything in heaven and earth together in him. Friend, Jesus is the goal of history. The paradise lost in Adam will be regained in Christ, the second Adam. Originally, all things were in a perfect state. Everything was... In unity, everything was in harmony, working together in perfection under Christ. Sometime go back to Colossians chapter 1 and read verses 15 through 19, where Paul reminds us that everything was created in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, for Christ, not only human beings, not only animals, but principalities and powers, angels and thrones. And everything, everything that is created was created by Christ. And when he created it, it was all good. It all worked in perfect harmony. But at some point we read something happened in heaven. Satan rebelled. Satan didn't like that created order the way God had done it. Satan wanted, wanted it differently. 
And Satan rebelled. And when Satan rebelled, a large number of angels rebelled with him. Satan was cast from heaven. Satan came to the earth disguised as a serpent, approached the first man and woman there in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and tempted them. And as a result of them giving in to that temptation, they sinned. And the perfect creation was disturbed. It was marred. It was messed up. Satan tempted man. Man fell and creation became imperfect. The result was discord amongst men. Disputes, quarrels, misunderstandings, evil, warfare, bloodshed, murder, jealousy, envy, disunity, and all that follow in the paths of destruction. Creation itself suffered. The earth was cursed with briars and thorns and troubles and disease. The perfect order vanished. Disharmony and disunity were the result of the fall. Man now has taken control, or so he thinks, defines what's right and wrong in his own terms, is at odds with other people. There is racial tension. There is conflict. There is war. There is discord. There is envy. There is jealousy. There is anger. There is bitterness. There is disunity. All is a result of the fall. The mystery revealed to believers is that in spite of all the chaos and turmoil and conflict and evil of this world, that there is a day coming when the Lord Jesus Christ will bring all of creation back together again in unity and in harmony, in perfect order under his rule. In regard to humanity... It happens through redemption by the blood of Christ. When we're redeemed, we're reconciled with God. We're reconciled with one another. As to the creation, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that a day is coming when there shall be a destruction of the present earth and of the world by fire and there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein will live righteousness the original unity and harmony will be restored. Isaiah saw that day in Isaiah chapter 11. Look at it up there on the screen. Isaiah saw a day when the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. A little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his head on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Friend, there will be harmony on earth. There will be harmony in heaven all under the lordship of Jesus Christ who will be head over all. 
Well, when this happens, it'll never be undone again. It'll never be undone again. All will be reunited in Christ. That's the mystery that has been revealed to believers. Let me say, he's not talking about universalism here. Don't get him confused. That's not what he's talking about. You say, well, what is universalism? That's the doctrine that all fallen creatures will ultimately be saved. What he is teaching is that all will one day be subject to Christ, believers and unbelievers alike. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friend, at the present time, the universe is corrupted. The universe is divided. The universe is splintered. Satan is now in control of this world. He is the ruler of this world, and he is trying to convince people to break God's laws, to go against God's commands, to make up their their own rules to determine their own lifestyle choices and all of these things and what Paul was wanting us to understand is is that that may seem like um, uh, the way the world is moving but can I just say to you the plans of puny men or the perverted power of Satan will never stop the restoration that God has in store for this world one day Satan and his demons are going to be thrown into the pit during the millennium. They will be released for a short while, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. And when every trace of evil has been removed from this world, God will establish a unity and a harmony in Christ of all things that remain. And that is the inevitable goal towards which history is moving. Friend, God designed an eternal plan in eternity past that he is sovereignly carrying out today. And in the fullness of time, He will complete and perfect that plan, and that plan calls for the complete, perfect restoration of this world under his lordship. The question is, am I a believer or am I an unbeliever? Because if I'm a believer, that truth right there gives me hope and gives me assurance I talk to a lot of Christians today who just seem to be so discouraged and depressed and defeated. And I'm saying, you know what? I get it. Life's tough right now. Especially when you look at things that you've held so dear for years, values and principles that just seem to be coming apart and things are turned upside down. Your circumstances are uh, out of control and, and life just seems to be unbearable. But if you can just keep in mind that all these things that are taking place, are working out for God's ultimate glory and your ultimate good. 
there is coming a restoration to this world under Christ. Well, look at the last thing uh, here, the last blessing. Look what it says here in verses 11 and 12. Paul's heart was satisfied when he thought about these blessings. I mean, he was content. Paul was totally satisfied. It filled him with joy. It filled him with peace. And Paul wanted to share that joy and that peace and that satisfaction with others. He says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now note that word inheritance. Peter tells us that that inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. It's already a done deal. It's kept, it's being kept for us. Paul told the Corinthians, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And all of this is for the praise of his glory. You see, on that blessed day, together in unity and harmony, red and yellow, black and white, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, presidents and kings, laborers and former slaves, all shall stand together before the throne of the Lamb and they will sing his praises forever and ever and ever and everything will be restored to perfect unity and perfect harmony. Reconciliation between man and God and reconciliation with one another and for all of eternity the redeemed of God will sing his praises. But I don't know about you, but that gives me encouragement. It gives me hope and knowing, regardless of what happens in my life, my personal life, my personal circumstances, or the world at large, there is coming a day when God is going to right all the wrongs and his glory will reign over all the earth. Amen? Let's stand together and we're going to pray and then we're going to sing praise to him as well. Father, we thank you for this encouraging word from your messenger, Paul. Lord, thank you for the hope and the assurance that is ours. That though this world may seem to be messed up today in many ways. And Lord, it may be that our lives seem in chaos. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to hold on to the hope, the assurance, the promise that ours, that one day everything will be restored to its perfect order. And for the Christian, we've been given wisdom and understanding to see that. To see through the present conditions of this world. And to look at the events of this world with an eternal perspective. And to know that while we may be in the middle of this story, or even closer to the beginning than we realize, Lord, we know how it ends. And it ends in a perfect 
world once again. Where all will be unified. All will be in harmony. And we will rejoice in your glory. We love you and praise you. And we say all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.